Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking.、Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and、uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick, so I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to another episode of Broadway Nation, a podcast that tells the incredible story of how immigrants, Jews, queers, African Americans, and other outcasts invented the Broadway musical. I'm David Armstrong, and I call this episode "How the Bench Scene Changed Everything." Over the course of our last several episodes, we traced the development of the Broadway musical throughout the 1920s and 30s, what I call the Silver Age. Musicals in those decades were often delightful but somewhat ramshackle creations, with songs that were often only very loosely tied to the story and characters. However, during this same period, smart and ambitious writers began to gradually push the form forward. And the stories, music, lyrics, and subject matter of Broadway musicals became increasingly more sophisticated, ambitious, and complex. Among those writers were Oscar Hammerstein and Richard Rodgers. Separately, they both had tremendous success with Silver Age-style shows. But when they joined forces to become Rodgers and Hammerstein, they ushered the Broadway musical into its golden age. Last week we briefly discussed Rodgers and Hammerstein's musical Carousel and its groundbreaking musical sequence known as the Bench Scene. Today, the remarkable Albert Evans will take us even further inside the music with a fascinating and in-depth look at that landmark sequence and help us to understand why this was such an important and crucial development in the invention of the Broadway musical. Now it's my great pleasure to turn this episode over to Albert Evans. Stephen Sondheim called the "If I Loved You" scene in Carousel the single most important moment in the evolution of the contemporary musical theater. And let's be honest, that's、uh, that's not a very exciting title. It's not the murder scene or the abduction scene or the trial scene. Well, it's called the bench scene because it's set on and around a park bench under a tree in full blossom near the carousel that gives the musical its name. So, what made the bench scene? So different, so important. 
To answer that, let's review the way plots unfolded in the stereotypical musical comedy of the 20s and 30s. To kick off the love plot, a boy and a girl would meet, maybe even in a park with a bench. At first, they'd flirt. The girl would be standoffish. Then the boy would woo her with a song, often leading into a dance. And the audience would go, aw, don't they make a nice couple? Applause, applause, applause. Then they'd disappear for a scene or two before their romance progressed. Basically, the whole show was about their courtship. If they admitted to love at first sight, let's get married, there would be nothing left to do. To prevent that, their relationship would be filled with complications and misunderstandings and wounded pride, punctuated with whatever potential hit songs the writers had concocted. And as David mentioned, sometimes these songs would seem irrelevant to the story, but musicals, remember, were primarily a way to introduce songs. That's where the real money was. Shows weren't expected to have an afterlife beyond their initial run, but a hit song could generate money for years in recordings and sheet music sales. A musical comedy love scene would usually be built around a single song consisting of a sort of functional verse to establish whatever story point the audience needed to know, and then it would move into a melodic refrain. This is what we think of as the song proper. Lyrically, usually not too specific, so that it could be sung outside the show in a lot of different circumstances. And that's exactly what Hammerstein, collaborating with Rogers, did not want to do anymore. In Oklahoma, they had made giant strides, integrating the songs into the plot, making them specific to the characters. But Oklahoma, for all its innovations, still had one foot in musical comedy land, in the world of the Silver Age musical, where a hick cowboy could suddenly reveal himself to be a highly skilled song and dance man, and then sort of melt back into the plot. But the carousel bench scene is made in a new way. It's all about character, revealed through words and music. Yes, it builds toward If I Loved You, a big extractable song. But before we get there, Billy and Julie test each other, and they move the plot along not in an efficient throwaway verse, but in a deftly interwoven series of what you might call songlets. And it's so brilliantly written that after about 12 minutes of highly concentrated music drama, and without Billy and Julie ever admitting their love, we know that in some way, on some higher plane, that they don't even understand, their souls have bonded. So let's take a closer look at how that's accomplished. Carousel opens unconventionally, no overture, but with a suite of waltzes, during which we meet most of the principal characters, not in dialogue or song and dance, but in pantomime, as they enjoy an after-work outing at a local amusement park in a New England coastal town in the 1870s. The young girls of the town are attracted to the carousel or, more specifically, to its cocky, good-looking barker, Billy Bigelow. Billy focuses his attention on Julie Jordan, a local mill worker who is his intended conquest for the evening. But Julie and her friend Carrie are shooed away by the carousel's owner, a middle-aged widow named Mrs. Mullen, who keeps Billy around as her own private boy toy. The scene shifts to a nearby park, 
with that fateful bench. And for the first time, we hear the characters speak. Mrs. Mullen scolds the girls for letting her barker get too free with them, and the three women seem ready for a fight. When Billy himself interrupts, he takes Julie's side and is promptly fired by his boss. So he leaves to go get his things, saying he'll be back for Julie. While he's gone, Carrie tries to get Julie to open up about her attraction to Billy, and we sneak into the first song. Julie. Julie. Do you like him? I don't know. Did you like it when he talked to you today? When he put you on the carousel that way? (laughs) Did you like that? I'd rather not say... It introduces two musical themes that will be important later. You're a queer one, Julie Jordan, interwoven with what I call the monotony theme. Let's listen. You're a queer one, Julie Jordan. You are quieter and deeper than a well. And you never tell me nothing. There's nothing that I care to choose to tell. You've been acting most peculiar. When we work in the mill, weaving at the loom, you gaze absent-minded at the roof. And half the time your shuttle gets twisted in the thread till you can't tell the warp from the wolf. Remember those themes. You're a queer one, Julie Jordan. And the monotony theme. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da
couldn't take my money if I didn't have any, and I don't have a penny, that's true. And if I did have money, you couldn't take any, cause you'd ask and I'd give it to you. You're a queer one, Julie Jordan. Have you ever had a fella you give money to? No. Ain't you ever had a fella at all? No. Well, you must have had a fella you went walking with. Yes. Where'd you walk? Nowhere special, I recall. In the woods. No. On the beach. No. Did you love him? No, I never loved no one. I told you that. <laughs> You know, you're a funny kid. Hey, hey, you want to go to town dance, maybe? No. I have to be careful. Of what? Of my character. You see, I'm never gonna marry. I'm never gonna marry. If I was gonna marry, I wouldn't have to be such a stickler. But I'm never gonna marry. And a girl who don't marry has got to be much more. Particular. <laughs> hey, hey, suppose suppose I was to say that I would marry you, huh? You. Oh, that scares you, huh? Yeah, you are thinking what the cops said. No, I ain't. I never paid no mind to what he said. Oh, but you wouldn't marry somebody like me, would you? Yes, I would. If I loved you, it wouldn't make no difference what you. Even if I died. For well, how do you know what you'd do if you loved me? How you feel or anything? I don't know how I know. Just the same, I know how I, how would it be if I loved you? When I worked in the mill, weaving at the loom, I'd gaze absent-minded at the roof, and half the time the shuttle'd get tangled in the threads, and the warp'd get mixed with the woof. If I loved you. But you don't. No, I don't. But somehow I can see just exactly how I'd be. And we're ready to plunge into If I Loved You. But before we do, let's take a look at Hammerstein's lyrics. If I Loved You. Time and again, I would try to say all I'd want you to know if I loved you. Hammerstein made a specialty of writing provisional love songs. This allowed him to place a song early in the show that lets the audience know that two characters are in love but aren't ready to admit it. The first was Make Believe from Showboat. Only make believe I love you. Only make believe that you love me. In other words, I'm not going to say I love you, but let's make believe that I do. And the second is from Oklahoma. People will say we're in love. Stop looking at me like that. Stop giving me presents. Don't laugh at my jokes. People will say we're in love. But if I loved you goes beyond flirting to something much deeper. First Julie and then Billy, singing this great passionate melody, see that their love is doomed. If I loved you, words wouldn't come in an easy way. Round in circles I'd go, time and again, round in circles. Carousel is about repetition, about going in circles, like a carousel. Life is a journey that gets you nowhere. 
It's about foolish and destructive patterns that persist for generations and the timidity and shame that keep us from breaking them. Billy and Julie's tragedy is that although they know they are destined to be together, they are somehow never able to say the simple words, I love you, longing to tell you, but afraid and shy. I'd let my golden chances pass me by. And then the final desolate vision, soon you'd leave me, off you would go in the mist of day, never, never to know how I loved you if I loved you. The song is so compelling that we don't realize it's one big spoiler. It gives away the whole rest of the show. Let's hear Julie sing it. If I loved you Time and again I would try to first time in his life, Billy looks deep into himself and says things about life and loneliness and futility that he has never expressed before. Not tough, cocky Billy Bigelow. And to show this new side, Richard Rogers gives him a new melody, a melody of his own. You can't hear a sound, not the turn of a leaf, nor the fall of a wave hidden Sand. The tides creeping up on the beach like a thief 
saying this, I start to wonder what life is all about. And I always say two heads are better than one to figure it out. Look, I, I, I don't need you. I don't need anybody helping me. I mean, I gotta figure it out for myself. We're not important. What are we? A couple of specks in nothing. Look up there. There's a hell of a lot of stars in the sky. And the sky's so big, the sea looks small. And two little people, you and I, we don't count at all. Funny kid, you know. I never remember meeting a girl like you. Hey, you trying to get me to marry you? No. Well, what's putting it into my head then? What's putting it into my head? Not Julie. She's been quite clear. I'm never gonna marry. So, Billy makes a little speech about what a mistake marriage would be. He even borrows Julie's monotony theme to describe how restricting, how intolerable, how unbilly it would be to fall into that trap. Yet, he's changed. His short conversation with Julie, probably the first deep conversation he's ever had with another person, has made her necessary to him. Julie mostly keeps quiet and lets Billy figure it out for himself. You're different, all right. I don't know what it is. You look up at me with that little kid's face like you trusted me. I know what it'd be like. It'd be awful. I can just see myself. Kind of scrawny and pale, picking at my food. I'd love sick like any other guy. I'd throw away my sweater and dress up like a dude in a dicky and the collar and the tie. If I loved you. But you don't. No, I don't. But somehow I can see just exactly how I sings If I Loved You, Julie's passionate, doom-filled anthem, and their fate is sealed.
not the kind of fella to marry anybody. Now, even if a girl was foolish enough to want me to, I wouldn't! Don't worry about it, Billy. Who's worried? You're right about there being no wind. The blossoms are just coming down by themselves. time too, I reckon. They move toward each other. They embrace. They kiss. scene has changed Billy and Julie and musical theater forever. Thank you, Albert. As I think Albert just made abundantly clear in that remarkable analysis, Oscar Hammerstein and Richard Rogers revolutionized the Broadway musical with their unprecedented seamless integration of book, music, and lyrics in Carousel. Both the bench scene and their equally groundbreaking soliloquy took them far beyond what they had achieved in Oklahoma. Instead of using the sing-song recitative of opera, both the soliloquy and the bench scene utilize what Albert calls songlets to weave together powerful sequences of dramatic musical theater. These innovations would inspire nearly every musical theater writer from the golden age of Broadway right up to today, and we can clearly see their influence in the brilliant extended musical sequences of such diverse shows as West Side Story, Gypsy, Sweeney Todd, Ragtime, Les Miserables, The Band's Visit, Town, and Hamilton, to name only a few. Broadway Nation is written and produced by me, David Armstrong. This episode featured the amazing writing and analysis of Albert Evans. I want to thank everyone at KVSH 101.9, the voice of beautiful Vashon Island, Washington, and everyone at the Broadway Podcast Network. If you enjoy these podcasts, it would be very helpful if you would take a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find Broadway Nation. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.